Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Today in Manana. I'm Michael. This is Xavier. We're very happy to have you on this beautiful fall morning. Gorgeous, really. That's a stunning morning, yeah, yes, absolutely. All sun, no clouds. <laughs> I haven't seen one yet. No clouds, but I don't want to talk too soon. Perfect day to, like Alex would say, right, grab your cafe con leche, warm, Absolutely. Sit down yeah. and enjoy some today, manana. Yeah. How, how are you doing this morning? Well, I'm doing fantastic. I mean, I was saying uh, before how, you know, this is just one of those days where, um, you know, you just feel really, really good. I mean, you know, anytime you can get up in the... I, I remember once there was a, a gentleman, um, this was when we lived in Carmel, and every morning he'd come in, and one day um, he's, he's... I guess he was he's a guy that kind of worked around the, the, the area to clean the sidewalks and stuff like that, the leaves. And I asked him, hey, good morning, how are you doing? He was an Irish guy, and he says, I'm doing just great. I said, oh, you're doing so great this morning. He goes, any day I get up out of bed, it's a great day. Of course, this guy was an older guy, right? Back then, maybe he was in the 70s. And now I understand exactly how he feels. Anytime I get out of bed, it's like, there's no pain. I feel really great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, for you, too, it's also like if you get out of the morning, you look out the window, and you see ice everywhere. You're like, oh, man, now I got pain. <laughs> if there's no ice, you're feeling better. It's like, oh, it's Pretty much, cool. yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's like, you know, you, you know when you're old, they say, old people say, it's like, you know, no one's going to rain because something on their body hurts. Mm-hmm. So between my pinky, because I once, you know, broke this pinky and, and my knee, I always know pretty much also. Man, today's a humid day because it's like uh, you, you, you know, you, you make a fist and every single finger hurts. It's like, that's not good. But today, none of that happened. None so, of that happened. So so we're we're not going to have rain. <laughs> that's that's good. Humidity is like 10, 15%. It's like, you know, I feel like I'm living in Colorado. I know. It's, yeah, it's pretty low. It's been, it's yeah. been pretty dry. You had to go water your plants this morning. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know. Uh, you know, I was also thinking about, too, it was the hour change. Because I yeah. was noticing, like, it was great because the other morning it was, like, 6.30, like, and I saw it see blue sky in the corner of my eye. And then suddenly, like, 7 o'clock, like, the sun was up. I was like, oh, this is great. Yeah. And then later that night, it was, like, 5 o'clock, we're leaving work, and it was dark. I'm like, <laughs> this is not so great now. Yeah, you can't have everything. I know, know, I know. Well, you can sometimes, like, during the summer, you have both. But yeah, that's Yeah, true. In, the, that's in cool. the winter, you have to make Wait, you got to move so. close to the equator, and this was the same all the time. There yeah. And it's move warm. To, I know. That's why people... Ecuador. Have. There you are. Ecuador. Ecuador. <laughs> yeah, where they have the little egg that doesn't fall, right? Or something That's right. like that. Yeah. Because yeah. gravity is lower. But um, let me get to our sponsor list. This way we Absolutely. can get to the show, right? Yes. So That's as important. always, we are happy to be presented by Merger Financial Services and powered by Craddock Serious Insurance, Castle Hill Cider, uh, Matisse Young Realty, and as always, Forward Adelante, the premier business, business Latino business networking group here in Virginia. That one always gets me. There's something yeah, about just say I want faba. To say faba. Just say faba. Yeah, no, you know? what's Think faba? of the bean. Faba bean. Faba, faba bean. Yeah. Right. yeah. If you know what the faba bean looks like. Wow. <laughs> but they know what the other faba is now. Absolutely. Thanks that's to the me important. going forward the words. They'll exactly. always remember exactly. forward Adelante. Yeah. So that's great. And then we got two great guests, yeah, right? So I, I think I think we should kind of get going. And, well, who, right? who are they, though? Who, who? So, well, I'm going to introduce him. Oh, okay. you gotta, be patient. Be patient. So we're happy to be uh, joined now by Daniel and Clarissa Luna from the Queen's Library Tea Room. Daniel, Clarissa, thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning. Thank you. Most definitely. Thank you for having us, guys. No, I feel so like off. we should have a cup of tea, but we didn't think to bring it. You know, I was thinking, so, you know, obviously in, in England, tea time is, is what, like 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock? Mm-hmm. 3? So... Uh, you know how they always say it's it's five o'clock sometime. Well, uh, somewhere. Well, it's three o'clock somewhere, right? So you could have tea well, if anytime. If we want, we can just delay the show and then we'll come back at three and then we will have the tea. Right? <laughs> yeah. So we're well, actually interesting enough. We've learned a little bit more about tea 
and like the difference between like afternoon tea, which some people believe is maybe even a little bit earlier in the day, and high tea is mm -hmm. more later in the day. Interesting. Ah, okay. So what what would be afternoon tea? So I'm gonna defer to our tea connoisseur. <laughs> That's okay. about all I know, but he can go for it. Um, so apparently, like back in like the early 1800s, before tea became popularized as much as it is today. Um, tea was only accessible to royals because it was such a high commodity. And somebody, I can't remember the name, which queen it was, decided that she was going to tell her servants, hey, uh, let's make some sandwiches, let's make some, little, some, some snacks, and uh, I'm going to invite some of my friends over because I'm tired of having hunger pains. So back in the day, it was people would only eat two meals a day. They would eat in the morning and at night. Okay. But when you're a royal, you can change that, you know? <laughs> uh, so she decided, I want to I wanna have like a mid-snack, you know, in the middle of the day and invite some friends over and drink tea with it. And that's where afternoon tea came about. But then once tea became a more accessible commodity, uh, we had people that were in the lower class being able to drink tea and just get a hold of it. But unfortunately, they still had to work all day long where they only had still two meals a day, which was in the morning and at night. But they could not take a break in the middle of the day, so they would drink tea when they came back home at night for dinner. I guess. So they would drink what is called high tea. And the reason it was named high tea is because it would be drank at a high dinner table. Usually royals would eat it more in a lounge setting where there would be coffee tables that are a little bit lower. Okay. So sometimes afternoon tea is also known as low tea. And then the dinner tea is called high tea. Wow. Just more like on the difference of the tables. No idea. Wow. I would have never guessed that. I would no, have never no, guessed right? that the, the, the table's you know, height That's would something. dictate that, right? <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, I also am surprised that tea like... The idea of afternoon tea came in the 1800s. I, I thought that they would have been drinking tea like during like, I don't know, the 1500s, or like Queen Elizabeth or something like that. And well, I was, it's very crazy because it took forever for tea to become an English thing. Tea oh, has okay. always been a, like more like a Chinese thing yeah, because yeah. that's where the original bushes come from. And it, there's like a whole... Political, political world. world. We won't get yeah. into that, of how it became English. There was like spies that England had to send into China to be able to get the tea leaves. And then even after you get them, you need to know actually how to grow them and what temperature to grow them. So it was like this whole thing that it took, uh, I think, over 200 years for England to be able to um, not only get the tea, but learn how to grow it. And they actually ended up landing in India because it was one of their colonies that had the right climate for them to grow it and all these different kinds of things. So it, it was a long process that probably started around the 1500s mm. once the, this whole trade started going. But it, it did not get um, perfected until several hundred years later. I wow. can't imagine being one of those like middle ages spies where they're like, "Okay, we need you sneak into China." They're like, "Well, you want me to steal like the gold military <laughs> secrets?" Like, "No, we want you to steal like, a little tea bush so we can plant it and drink our own tea." Guys, gonna be like, "Man, gonna risk my life for this? Can't you drink coffee or something?" <laughs> yeah. Water, just dirty water. water. Just drink water. <laughs> yeah, they loved tea. It became a very political, mm. like commodity as well wow. wow is that what inspired you to, to start the <laughs> I had to, I had to segue something into that. all this is that what made you start the queen's library team room no no not at all no um, yeah it was uh it's a crazy story um yeah. i always like to hear. say it was god that uh that brought us into this uh this world of, of the tea but uh we originally back in february of this year it's crazy to think that it's not even been a year. Wow. Um, February of this year, my wife and I, we were 
kind of putting money aside for a down payment on a home. And she gets a call from a friend of hers that runs a Facebook group called uh, Boss Babes. And it's just a, a group of women that are entrepreneurs around the Virginia area. And she gets this call and someone basically tells her, it's Leah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Leah Coleman um, tells her, hey, there's a, this business opportunity. We're trying to, uh, unfortunately, the previous owner of this tea room, uh, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And thank God now she's in remission. Uh, we don't. That's we good. didn't always get to tell that story until like a couple of months ago, but she tells my wife, yeah, she unfortunately was diagnosed with breast cancer. She's not going to be able to keep running the tea room due to uh, the treatments and all these different things. And my wife basically tells her, well, we're not looking to start a business at the moment. And so the, the most basic answer was no. But before hanging up, for some reason you said, um, well, let me meet up with her, just kind of like mm-hmm. to say thank you as to her thinking of us and giving us that opportunity, even though we were not going to take it. Mm. So for some reason, I couldn't go to the meeting, but my wife ends, ends up meeting with uh, Miss Heather, the previous owner of the tea room that we now operate. Which it operate. was a different name. Yes, it was a it different was name. It was previously Queen Bee and Company, which going back to the name, okay. we wanted to honor her, and so okay. we kept the queen name in there. Um, but yeah, so it was a different type of style. It wasn't the exact same, but oh, then yeah. I went to go see it. Yeah, so she's actually talking about, once again, the, the high tea and the low tea. She was running more like a high tea room where she would have dinner tables. People would come and sit more like a restaurant style. Uh, and my wife ended up going to, uh, to visit her at her, uh, her location. And my wife is one of those that we're sometimes walking around the street and she says, Daniel, Daniel, you see that woman over there? She's filled with the Spirit of God. And I'm like... Okay. <laughs> you know, there's not much that I can contradict there. Um, but my wife says that the moment that she walked into that tear room, she made eye contact with Miss Heather. And the first thing that came to her mind was, she is filled with the Spirit of God. Wow. And then uh, the very first thing that Miss Heather tells my wife Clarissa is, you're filled with the Spirit of God. Holy and then cow. they proceed to sit down and then talk about how we now ended up with a, with a tear room. So we bought it cash. <laughs> wow, really? That's yep. amazing. That That's is an amazing, amazing story. So amazing. we don't have a, a home that we own, but we have a tea room. <laughs> <laughs> tea room is better than a home. Yeah, right. There's not that many tea rooms out there to buy, but That's there's true. a lot of homes, right? Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. I never thought yeah. about that. And so you came up with the Queen's Library, and, and the library word itself, how did you yeah. come up with that? So there's a lot of nuances there but I think the first part was I've been really inspired by my great aunt Lily okay um I actually never truly remember meeting her um but she was in the 50s a single woman and just like traveled the world on behalf of the U.S. government starting libraries um all the way in like this is like the 50s she like helped start a library in like Australia like in like New Zealand And Wasn't she in Japan, too? Japan. And this is, like, post-World War II, like, of course, a few years. But it's just, like, crazy to think, right. like, a single woman doing that. And she was starting libraries, really, to bring women together. Um, like, her mission be- behind helping the U.S. government start these libraries was because of that. And so I always knew I wanted to honor her. And she would always write me letters when I was a little girl. Uh, but I never actually read many of those letters till I became an adult, And all the letters were like, Clarissa, you can do something like this. Or I hear about things that your mother are talking about with you at school and how you love entrepreneurship and different things. So she would write these letters. And it wasn't until like 
I was like 22, 23, and I'm about going on 31 now, that I found those letters. And I said, I really want to incorporate this library theme to honor her as well. So we have the queen, we have the library. And then if you look at pictures of the actual queen's library at the Buckingham Palace, um, it has this beautiful green color. It's a very green place. So we took a lot of our decor inspiration from the actual okay. queen's library. Okay. So that's how we came about it. And tell us a little bit about, because, I mean, you know, one thing about, you know, afternoon tea, and, and you know, my wife and I have been to, to London, and uh, we went to a couple of places, is that they're somewhat cozy, right? And so, mm -hmm. you know, they'll, they usually bring, you know, you get whatever. I, I knew nothing about tea, to be honest with you, so I just <laughs> went to the, my wife says, we got to do this. I said, okay, sure. So we did that. And so we had tea, and then they brought, like, all these little pastries, which, of course, that made me very, very happy. <laughs> I, must, I got a sweet tooth, so I said, wow, this is great. Um, but, you know, I noticed that wherever the, the couple of places we went, it's always somewhat, you know, very cozy, so you feel very comfortable, very relaxing. So, so tell us a little bit about your place, how it's kind of set up. Yeah, I think we kind of put ourselves in the category as, like, a spa day. I don't even think it's like, it's not a restaurant. It's like, I need to take care of myself. I need yeah. to go somewhere I can think um, or connect with friends. It's not just over your normal meal. And that was really our inspiration was to create a comfortable space for people to connect. So that's exactly how our tea room is set up is that lounge seating. Also, so it looks like a library in a way. Okay. Uh, the other part was... I personally don't like uncomfortable seating. I will go into restaurants. Sometimes we don't go eat places because she says, those chairs do not look comfortable. We're out of here. Yes, or I'll call ahead and ask about specific, like, what's your chair situation like? Like, what's the tables like? And I just was like, I never want anyone to walk in and not feel comfortable no. or feel like they can just relax. Exactly. Because yeah. you're already spending a pretty penny and then to feel uncomfortable, but the food's good, it, to me, cancels out. Right, so, right. That was really one of the reasons why we made sure there was comfortable seating. Um, and so it really feels like this spa experience. And you get the treats, uh, which people love, you know, just trying new foods that maybe they don't have to like the whole thing because they can just take one bite and right. move on to the next mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, because so, they're small, right? They're, yes. They're so, exactly. so it's more of like a tasting experience. Exactly. But definitely that self-care spa, and that's what we see a lot. A lot of people are coming and it doesn't feel like just going to a restaurant yeah. yeah yeah another thing that uh we we didn't want to do we did not want to make it feel like a like a business where somebody would come in and feel like they're trying to be sold being sold something um one of the things that we wanted to do was we wanted people to feel like they're coming into our own home and to do that at our previous location we we decided to not put any type of signage not put any uh not have a register not have anywhere that we could uh, that we could charge people uh, so we decided to make everything pre-reservation so people would pay ahead of time because when you go into somebody's um, living room or somebody's dining room, you don't pull out a credit card or anything like that. Gotcha. So we wanted to keep that part of the experience uh, at, our, at our location as well. And then um, we have, a, like she mentioned, a lot of comfortable seating that feels more like a living room. Mm. We sometimes even call our business an extension of our living room uh, because we want people to feel like they're at home. And like I said, that's kind of like where that choice came about as well. Now, are there, uh, with regard to teas, is there like different types of teas? Do you get into what kind of tea? <laughs> that's, that was tea. actually my question, yeah. Uh, so I'll let There's him a tea question. discussion no, no, no. to have. <laughs> no, sure. I mean, I was going to ask like what types of teas and what yeah. kind of like pastries and little snacks do you provide? 
well, we, we provide a, an experience that will mm -hmm. change every single time that you come in, at least with the tea. Uh, for the tea experience, we have a flight of four different teas. Uh, we always like to start people with a cold tea and then do three hot teas. The very first one tends to be a sparkling white tea. Uh, we have two different flavors available for that. It is a ginger cranberry and a ginger elderberry. We like oh. to do that because the ginger helps act as a palate cleanser. Okay. So that when you actually get to your hot tea, you're able to better taste it. Um, then for hot teas, we use a brand that is called Fornum and Mason. And Fornum and Mason is a brand of tea that has been appointed to the Buckingham Palace by Royal Warren. Okay. So it is one of the very few brands of tea that is able to go within the palace. Um, and for the, uh, the hot teas, we, we rotate the selection of teas every single day. So if you come back to back on the same week, you're able to have a different experience with the teas whenever you come in. And we like to, to present a, a wide range and a different spectrum of teas uh, so that people can see how, how extensive those flavors can be. We, we, I personally, whenever I build the flights, I like to start people off with something that is a basic black tea, something like an English breakfast, okay. um, uh, afternoon blend. We have something called uh, Royal Blend, uh, which consists of Assam leaves and Ceylon leaves. Uh, but like I said, something that is just like black tea. And then I like to move them on to something that is oil-infused teas, um, so like an herb gray, uh, we have, uh, I love the, any of the grays. We have like a Victoria gray, which is a twist on the classic herb gray that lavender petals have been added to it. Oh, wow. Uh, very aromatic, very tasty. Um, so we start off with a black tea, uh, something that is oil infused. And then I like to end them with something that is uh, a floral tea. Uh, that way, through those four teas, you get a sparkling, you get a regular black tea to kind of like build a good base of what a tea should be. And then something oil-infused, which, which starts elevating uh, a little bit of the flavors, and then end with something floral. And for the food, we decided early on we did not want a kitchen on site. Uh, that was very intentional. Uh, we did not want to have to make our own food because we live in Richmond. And Richmond has amazing food and amazing small business entrepreneurs that are trying to kickstart their catering business or their bakery. And gotcha. so we partner with all local bakeries and caterers for every tea time uh, for all the treats. And so we're able to work with the small business that maybe would like to give out samples of their food uh, that could create a long-lasting customer relationship for them later on. And we have enjoyed doing that. And so we decided, even when we moved to our second location, which we just did last Friday, that we still, we were very intentional to make sure we did not have a kitchen so we could always make sure we are making that as part of our mission. And so we've been able to celebrate one of our favorites, uh, Two and a Half Irishman. He's a local Irish baker in Richmond. <laughs> he should be on your show. He's fascinating. Yes. Uh, he, uh, his name is Niall, and he was actually an explosive expert in South Africa. Wow. <laughs> uh, I think he was working on behalf of the Irish government, but don't quote me on that. Not sure. Uh, and came, immigrated here to the U.S. and could not be an explosive expert uh, due to immigration status. Um, and decided to start baking. And his recipes really could look like explosive bomb recipes. Um, like, to the detail is incredible. And so it's made him an incredible baker. And wow. we're able to feature his true English scones um, or true Irish scones with an English flair on our tea towers every tea time. And that's just so special because I don't know if a lot of people would have known 
about two and a half Irishmen had we not be able to feature them every sure. single day. And then there's others like that as well that we just love being able to highlight them, giving them a spotlight without having the pressure of like having the restaurant demand. That's fantastic. So you really live up to the Queen's Library Tea Room in regards to the tea until you get to the Irish scones in there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then, yes. Then fucking Air Palace would be like, well, Irish scones? Well, yes. So. <laughs> if we could find a good English scone in Virginia, I'd love to see it. We have looked, looked, and looked, and it's very difficult. We have not been able, they're always triangle, which English scones are not. They're circle. Oh, they're really? like round. Okay. Yeah, so so our scones are round. They're not triangle, and that's very important to us. (laughs) So we try to get as close as we can. Is that the major difference, though? Is the the shape or or also depends on what they put on? One of the things that we have heard is sometimes people say, these are a little dry. Well, that's how English scones are supposed to be. They're not supposed to be like super moist and things like that. That's why you always accompany them with With some cream or uh, jam and then the tea as well to help, you know, pass those down. So here's a good. So here's a question. You just said, you just said cream. Do people put cream in their teas or because I mean I know that's probably a no no. I mean I don't know. I don't know British. I don't I don't know much about British tea, but I would assume. I mean I would assume with the black tea you could put cream, but I I would think that with the with the Earl Grey and the and the floral you may not want to. Well, but. actually, the Earl Grey is probably one of the ones that tastes the best with cream. Oh really? Okay. Uh, so or milk. Little, yeah. yeah. What's it called? So Queen Elizabeth II, uh, she would, the, the way that she would drink her Earl Grey, which was a favorite tea, she would put no sugar and a splash of milk. And it's, it's incredible. It's pretty good. Uh, I do like a little bit of sugar in mine, or actually honey. Honey tastes better. Mm. Okay. Which we discovered, too, that depending on if you use honey or sugar in different teas, it brings a different profile of the tea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of them I prefer with, uh, with sugar. Some of them I prefer with honey. For like, for example, like a jasmine tea, I love it with sugar. But our gray, I prefer it with honey. Uh, so it just depends on on which one, and per, also per, personal preference. So when um, you accompany the people with their teas, do you provide like honey and sugar? Do you give them like the recommendations of here? You should have this one with cream. You should have this one without cream, or maybe this one with a little lemon and sugar. So we have those uh, we have those things available. We don't bring them right off the bat because okay. not everybody likes it. Uh, so we, we, we prefer to wait for people to, hey, do you have this available? Do you have any cream or sugar? We usually, well, sugar is always at the table. If people prefer honey, we do bring that out. Um, we also like to let people not force them. We're not forcing anyone to do anything. But try to try it before adding a bunch adding, of stuff exactly. to it. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. So, so if we're can... polluting it, uh, just give it a try. Um, and that seems to work really well. You and mean me putting four spoons of sugar is too much, you think? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, we do have children that really find the sugar oh. cubes to be a fascinating... Yeah, uh, I would think so. Yeah. So they add a lot of sugar cubes to their tea. To watch it melt, probably. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. They just keep going until there's no more sugar cubes. Sometimes they just have tea with their sugar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like caked on the bottom. But no. it's good. It's fun. It's part of the experience. It used to be the old-fashioned ways, like when the kids, they couldn't drink coffee, so they would get, like, remember the little yeah, sugar cube, dunk a little coffee, and then give it to them. Yeah. That was yeah. That was their version of coffee. That's what we should do. It save us a little money. Sugar yeah. cubes. <laughs> you do tea infused sugar cubes and sell them to the kids. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they need something. Yeah, they love the sugar cubes for sure. Now, is uh, uh, the other teas, because, you know, obviously English breakfast tea is a black tea. Uh, the other teas, white tea, black tea, or just black tea infused with, with flavor? So we do have black teas. We also have green teas. Okay. We have the floral teas. 
Um, we do not have any white teas at hand that we brew. But like I mentioned, we do have a sparkling white tea. Um, at the end of the day, they're all the same. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, all, we've they, they, they all come from the same bush. Uh, oh, really? So whether it's uh, green tea, black tea, or white, uh, white tea, they all come from the same bush. It just depends on how uh, the leaves are prepared. So, oh. for example, green tea is not oxidized as black tea is. Uh, so I don't know if you ever grabbed a leaf from the street or directly from a tree and you break it and it bruises. And so what that does is kind of like fruit, kind of like a, like a banana. It starts like having those bruises. Right. Same thing with the leaves. You, they let them bruise and for depending on which type of tea you're preparing. For example, black tea is probably the one that is the most oxidated compared to like oolong that has like a medium oxidation. And then uh, green tea has the least oxidation. And then um, after they oxidize them for whatever specific amount they need to be oxidized to prepare the type of tea that you want, then they roast them and, uh, or dry them rather. But uh, yeah, white tea, uh, green tea, and black tea, they're all the same. The only difference is how much oxidation and then the, the drying process is a little bit different. But they all come from the same place. I had no idea. Yeah, I thought a different. I thought there were different bushes for different teas. You know. Well, that's because we're very naive when it comes to tea. <laughs> hey, I did not know these things. Probably before though. February. Yeah. yeah. So before February this year, I had no idea. All I knew was like. Well, we learned a lot in a no. very short period of time. Wow. I think. I think this is a fun fact about our business. This is how much we did not know about the English tea business. We opened on May fifth this year, which, if you're familiar with what happened on May fifth, was the coronation. We did not know that. And so we were selling out on our first weekend and had no clue. We're like, man, why. this business is a great business, you know? <laughs> so we had our first That's day funny. a room full of Brits <laughs> drinking our tea. And we quickly, they told us a lot of knowledge because we were not sharing enough knowledge. Mm. And so we were educated very quickly on tea and how it works and what it is and how to describe mm. it. Um, whether we chose to do that or not, I don't know. It was it was forced upon us, but so we got broken real good. We had a lot of Brits the first weekend, and that made us know we were in the right business. That we first can do week it. was rough. Yeah, yeah. And then the second week was Mother's Day, and after that, we knew we could do anything. So that was a very we interesting. two busiest weeks were like the first. Yes. and we were not thinking that through. We did yeah. not know, but it also makes you realize, okay, we can do this. Absolutely, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, you have a lot of great events because before you went on the show, I noticed that you guys had like a Hobbit like mm. style event. Like, how many events do you guys have like per year of kind of like just fun little intrigued, you know, kind of themes? Well, we've been trying to do like about one once one a month. month. Mm-hmm. Mm. So. And the Hobbit tea was a lot of fun uh, because the hobbits drink tea mm-hmm. all the time. And so we had a lot of fun. And it really just brings this community together. Like people that you never would ever meet, but you have a room full of Hobbit fans. And everyone leaves us friends. They're taking pictures with each other. And that's what we want our tea room to feel like. So for us, the special events, we've decided to do them pretty much once a month. We do have some fun ones for next year. Um, One of them is Uncle Iroh's. If you ever watch Avatar The Last Airbender... (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But uh, there is uh, Uncle Iroh. It's uh, really, it's one of the, the characters in the in the show. And he loves drinking tea. He's always trying to drink a cup of tea. 
And uh, in February, there is a new Netflix show that is releasing. They're redoing uh, Avatar The Last Airbender as a live action instead of a cartoon. And we think it'll be a perfect time to, you know, just collide those two worlds, have a tea that is inspired from, uh, from the show, and uh, bring another type of community. Same thing as, like, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, you know, came together in our tea room and people just really had that community. We want to do the same thing for, for Avatar The Last Airbender. And another, I am going to put a plug in for this one. Um, next year, we also are doing, for my office fans out there, the Finer Things Club <laughs> tea, because the whole thing about the office is the teapot. Like the whole, I don't know if you all are office fans. I know my, my, uh, your daughter in law, my sister in law yeah. is a big office yeah. fan. Okay, Absolutely. they'll appreciate this. Well, the whole thing is about a teapot. And so we want to do an experience based off Jim and Pam, this like fun, romantic experience, but the Finer Things Club tea. So that'll be a lot of fun too. You might get people dressed with like the huge glasses, like oh, that yeah. guy Dwight or something. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And then one thing we're exploring for next year is not just doing tea experiences, but really doing these historic event experiences. So mm-hmm. in February, we're hosting um, the Duchess of Richmond's Ball, uh, which we are partnering with a larger venue because our tea room could not host a ball. Uh, <laughs> and really highlighting some historic um, events during that time. So the Duchess of Richmond Ball was an actual ball uh, that was taken place before Napoleon invaded Belgium um, and before Napoleon fell, actually. You can start and talk a little bit more of that. Yeah, so during this ball, there was uh, it was like the ball to be at. Um, I can't even remember. Do you remember the name of the queen? Mm-mm. Well, she ended up putting this this ball together, and all the royals, all, anybody that was from high society, was invited to this this ball. And it was uh, this ball happened right before the Battle of Waterloo. And very intriguing thing, people accredit this ball as to why the French fell, uh, because everybody in Belgium that was important was already gathered at this uh, at this ball. And then France attacked. But when you have all your officials, when you have all your government already meeting in one place, it's pretty good plan of defense, you know, for you to start moving into action instead of having to gather everybody right. and then do something about it. So everybody was at the ball when the attack began. And there is apparently like famous paintings of people fighting in their ball uh, what is it called in their <laughs> fall outfits <laughs> yeah so it, it's like very intriguing wow. how this whole thing happened and um, yeah like but it, the ball never ended technically yeah so like mid, mid ball like the, that's when uh, the bells started being attacked and everybody just started doing the thing you know soldiers went out uh, captains went out and all kinds of things and the ball never ended so one of the things that we want to do is we want to end this truly ball. end the ball So in February, we're going to give it a proper ending. We're going to have a stage jousting presentation from some local jousting experts or whatever you want to call them, professionals. Not us. Our team is not going to be jousting. Uh, And then, so we're going to do a full ball and really honoring that time and that unique part of history. Plus our tea guests always want to go to a ball. So a true ball, not like a... Not Instagram. What about fighting ball? That that sounds like fun too. Like I can come oh. with a gown with just a sword, just in case if we someone should attacks. Probably put maybe no swords. Oh, no swords. <laughs> <laughs> like a so sword check. Someone's gonna bring a katana or something. 
I'm going to remember that. <laughs> just the just professionals of this I was just about to come. I was ready. Reloaded. It's like a rip off the gown and have like a suit of armor. Like I was ready. <laughs> yes. Yes. So we're excited. So we're looking at doing more experiences like that that are not just at our tea room, but really honoring some historic events and having fun with it and showing how that's probably why a lot of us are here because of that battle of Waterloo and go back and forth and yeah. That's incredible. Well, wow. This has been a lot of fun. It has. Yeah. You guys have like so many events planned for next year. It yeah. sounds like it's going to be a ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do that one. I'm sorry. It was a little cliche, but I had to do that. So before we let you go, and where can people find you? You're, I know you got like a new location, so you can like tell people that your Instagram, your website, all that jazz. Yeah. So we are uh, just move locations. Uh, we are at 22. No, 221 East. Uh, Clay Street in uh, right Richmond, across from Virginia. the Visitor Center for the Greater Richmond Convention Center. Fantastic. Um, so we're super excited about that partnership. They've been wonderful to us and push business to us all the time. And so we have just moved there. We have tripled the space. Uh, one highlight is we are in the historic Jackson Ward area of Richmond. Okay. Uh, which Jackson Ward was known as the Harlem of the South uh, or also known as one of the Black Wall Streets. So we're excited about that new location. Uh, you can find us at thequeenslibrarytearoom.com. Find us on Instagram, all the Facebooks. Um, not Facebook. I sound old like my mom. Um, <laughs> Facebook. And, yeah, that's how you can find us. And Or pre-reservation, so you have to make a reservation. We're booking Got out. It. Okay. Holidays are pretty much booked, but you can give us a try. Uh, but we will start opening up for 2024. Fantastic. Wow. Fantastic. Well, this has been a lot of yeah. fun. Thank Daniel you so Carissa, much. Thank you Appreciate so much it. for coming on. Thank it's been you. a blast. And, uh, thank you for having us. And the best to yeah. uh, the Queen's Library. Yeah, best thank of you. luck. Thank you. Thank I'm you. looking forward to that ball. Yes. Yeah, we'll have to give you all tickets yeah. for sure. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was fantastic. I, yeah. I love hearing the... One, I love hearing the story always behind, like, the entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, how they got started. I mean, it was just sort of like they weren't thinking about opening the tea room, but then they go there and Clarissa just no, fell absolutely. in love. Yeah. Fell in love with the old previous owner and just everything came together. And cra- I know. It's, it's yeah. crazy. It's, it's um, you know, to think that you don't want to do something and something, boom, you know, you, you just decide to do it and, yeah. and they've just delved into it. I mean, they just dove into something that they've never done before, but, boy, what a great job they're doing. It's I know. And they got so many, like... I love too their excitement too behind it. Like they're like they're into it. Like they got all these ideas for next year. You know, I love I love how the first day that they opened up was like the coronation of. I, <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. That, Absolutely. That's, that's kind of hilarious because let's be honest. Like for I mean I don't know. I'm sure you're the same way. I don't know about other people, but it's like I don't follow all this English loyalty stuff and all this. So it's like they, if you told me the king was going to be coronated today, I'd be like. What happened to the queen? <laughs> I must have missed something, you know. But that was that's um, that's pretty great. So um, from one fantastic guest to another, we're now excited to be joined by uh, Jill and Lori Trotman from the Bon Air Historic Home. Uh, Jill and Lori, thank you so much for joining us. Hello. Yes. Good to be here. I'm Gil, by the way. Gil. A lot of people call us from Ireland. It'd be Jill. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, we were just talking to British people yeah, exactly. and Irish. Yeah, I was like, yeah, Jill, you know, Jill stuck it to my mind. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about this historic home and how you guys, like, found it and the story behind the house. Yeah. Sure. We, um, it's not our first historic home, but we had a business and uh, we were kind of eager to try to build a business. Um, 
we were going to build a house in Charlottesville. And, of course, after COVID, everything exploded and the building prices were crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. So we started looking for something that was old. And we, we love like, We like classic architecture, not vinyl homes. Mm-hmm. I understand. <laughs> yeah, so we were going to do that, and we looked for a long time. And our agent, she found an old house um, in Nelson County, and it was called Bon Air. And we went out and looked at it, gosh, um, over a year and a half ago in February. And it was way overgrown. Nobody had lived there in over a year, and it was in dreadful shape. It's 220 years old. Wow. On 43 acres. Wow. And it was built by George Cavill Jr., one of Thomas Jefferson's friends. How do you like that? Uh, why am I not surprised that there had to be some relation <laughs> to Thomas? It was neither family or friends, something like that. <laughs> well, you've heard of Cabell Hall at right. UVA, mm-hmm. and that's all part of this whole uh, Cabell family. Cabell family was uh, very well known in Central Virginia. They owned at one time 100 square miles in Central Virginia. And wow. they were given land grants from the King of England and... Um, so it used to be, Bonnie Air used to be 940 acres, and it went right to the James River, as a lot of plantations did, because right. that's how they got all their, their goods. Mm-hmm. But Bon Air was in very, very, very bad shape. So we had come up with a plan that we could restore Bon Air. We sold our business, and we could, we could buy Bon Air, and we could put all this money into it. And, of course, it never works out that way. It's always more than you expect it to be. But we took all of the proceeds from our retirement and from the sale of our business and are putting it into Bon Air. Wow. Okay. Wow. And so we rolled the dice. So at, we at our did. age, I mean, rolling the dice, most of my peers, they're living on retirement, and they're seeing the grandkids, but we were ready for a new adventure. That sounds like quite an adventure. <laughs> and we had been following some of the, um, the Brits in the U.K. were going to France and buying old chateaus and fixing them up, you know, in their later years of life and turning them into B&Bs. So we thought that maybe we could do something similar with Bon Air. So is that your plan, like restoring in the turn to Airbnb? Well, Bonaire, I would love to say it's this big, huge, beautiful plantation house, but it really was just a big, large brick uh, farmhouse that was made. So it's really not set up for a and b but it has mm-hmm. a huge basement, and we're going to turn one of those into an Airbnb. It has a cottage on it that we fully restored um, that was built in probably the 1930s. Okay. And my 90-plus-year-old parents are living there currently. We have a large barn on the property, and the hayloft is huge and so in france they build these things called jeets and it's like a weekend retreat so we're thinking about taking that and turning that hayloft into a large airbnb okay okay and so you are living in the house we and, are. And, and you've already renovated that house oh no we have oh you haven't okay so <laughs> no we're the most we've been able to do because we were renovating the cottage for his parents right is we're trying to get the windows redone and the main house sealed up so that it'll be warm for the winter winter. and all because it really was in bad shape. So we've renovated the or painted and done the parlor, we call it, 
because of the time period, we called it the parlor right, rather than right. the living room, but mm-hmm. basically it's the living room. We painted and got that done inside the main house so that at the end of the day, we could sit in a nice room and not go, oh, the ceiling <laughs> needs painting. Oh, the windows are still bad. <laughs> so a place where you can sit down and relax. A, a nice place to be calm at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. Makes sense. Now, the house, like you said, the house was brick, right? It's three so, layers of brick. Okay, so so the good thing is that that usually that usually lasts a lot longer than wood or anything of that sort. So Correct. that's a, that's a good thing. The bones but, are good, but I suspect that there wasn't like any heating. How about the electrical work? I mean, is there any electricity in the house? Well, they, they yes, there is. They had um, over the years. There's probably 20 families that have lived in the okay, house okay. over 220 years, and so they put in central heat, central air conditioning. Uh, not really done a good job on that. Electrical is there. Uh, the kitchen was added on. We have an English, a full English kitchen in the basement where okay. everything was cooked before, but back right. in the, the 30s and 40s, they added on a kitchen. Okay. So we are renovating the kitchen. The bathroom was an afterthought because they didn't have indoor plumbing <laughs> back then. <laughs> so we have one bathroom on the main floor. Okay. So we're creating a half bath so that our guests don't have to. Sure. Truck through the master bedroom to find a not so pretty bathroom. <laughs> well, just just build an outdoor. Everybody goes outdoors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll send them down to the cottage. You got to experience. Go it's the, the experience of, of living back in the old days. You had to go outside to the bathroom. I, mean, I think that would work great. But the house is on a knoll. It overlooks. Um, the, the lower flatlands that Bonaire, it used to be part of Bonaire. So it sits up on a beautiful spot in the hill, and it'll be a great place for people to take engagement photos or whatever. Yeah. They added white columns, huge white columns. They weren't originally there. They were just small square columns, but I think that after Gone with the Wind, a lot of people <laughs> in the South wanted big columns. So we had these gargantuan columns, yeah. which makes it look very, very imposing. Um, but... It's in a great spot. Yeah. Everything is hilly on our property. I mean, it's nothing but hills. Yeah. So we have about 20 acres of pasture and 23 acres of wooded um, land that were... We were thinking about building some small cottages within the woods to make some Airbnbs sure. that are really, really kind of quaint, some nature trails and hiking trails within the woods. So that's some of our ideas. Interesting. Have you two thought about turning the home into almost kind of like a Monticello, Ashlawn kind of thing where like people will pay to kind of like go into the home and like experience it? Because I know my brother had told me about some person hundreds of years ago came to Charlottesville, wanted to build like an Italian chateau, built it, but then kind of like left it abandoned. And now other people have kind of bought it, restoring it, and then have... You know, have prices fees, where it's like, yeah, yeah entrance fees. Where you yeah. pay like ten dollars and you kind of go in. It's like this, you know, house belonged to so and so. Here are the rooms, and you get to experience the house like that. Has that crossed your mind? Right. I think you're probably referring to Swan and Noah, um, which is the Italian mansion yeah. that they mm-hmm. did that to right here. Our house isn't large enough for that. We might okay. do that, something like that for the English kitchen in the basement mm-hmm. because we have all the. Uh, cast iron stuff that the cauldrons, that the kettles, the yeah. wow. the hanging things that hold the meat, and we have a lady that has done 
restoration historical cooking over a hearth fire who wants to come and do that. So we're going to turn the entire English kitchen, which is quite large, back into 100% historical and make that part of it. Okay. But the rest of the house, it, it doesn't really lean to that kind of history that much because it's been... Uh, Renovated so many times. So yeah, kind of, remuddled, yeah. remuddled as we yeah. as we call it. <laughs> yeah. But we do it's, go to Monticello for inspiration and mm -hmm. ideas. Yeah. yeah, I was curious. Do you have like the original plans of the house or no? No, that's something we need to research and try mm -hmm. to find. There are some plans out there. Uh, the Cabell family has done a great job of getting us documentation, but it doesn't go back 200 years. It goes back 100 years. Mm. I did find the very first insurance policy underwritten by um, Mutual Assurance Mutual Assurance Society, who was the very first insurance company in the nation. And I tried to get them to insure the house when we bought it, and they said no. I said, but you held a policy on it back in 1800? They said, well, sorry, to rebuild this house, it would be more than our maximum value, coverage value, which is $2 million, to do it in the exact same type of gotcha. thing that we Materials. did. Materials. Yeah. So much for those insurance policies, huh? You know? <laughs> it was hard getting insurance on it in, this, in the condition that it was in. It I would was think very so. difficult. Yeah, I would think so. We couldn't even get a permanent financing. We had to get a construction loan um, and they, because it fell within the parameters of eh, everybody wants to sell the loans and they couldn't sell the loans. So we had one year to be able to do these checklists of repairs that we had to get done. And we got those done within the first year. They came back out and turned it into a permanent loan. So it's been a struggle to be able to do that because there's so much work that needs to be done on the property. Now, the, the Airbnb, is, is, that going, is that already completed or it's, it's on? And, and so it's, it's no, we don't plans. have an Airbnb yet. Okay. We have the cottage, which has right. totally been remodeled. Right. But that's where your parents That's are. where my parents are okay. currently residing. The basement, there was a summer room in the basement, and supposedly one of the elderly fathers of one of the owners built in a little summer room because it was cool in the summertime in this basement area. So he fixed it up like a little parlor downstairs. And since it has its own separate entrance from the outside, we're going to turn that into okay. an Airbnb. And then what we call the tool room, which is around the corner, we're going to turn that into a small fitness room so whoever comes to rent they'll be able to work out in the fitness room and it has its own separate shower facilities there okay and so and then the, and then the goal is to build other little uh, i guess cottages that will be airbnb right correct and and, and when is the when is the one in the basement when do you think that'll be ready oh well i would like to say i would like to say realistically six to nine months okay uh, from now what we've been doing is we have been working specifically on the outside, transforming all of those windows into Williamsburg, Colonial Williamsburg um, quality restorations on the windows. Okay. So each window takes about 20 hours to be able to do just the outside. Wow. And we have, we have to scrape wow. all the paint off of it, get all the glazing out of the windows. I have to reglaze the windows. We have to put linseed oil to bring the wood back, right. okay. priming it, glazing it, painting a couple coats of paint on it, then scraping the paint off the glass, and then you can finally go, wow. Now, Lori 
I called her the glazing queen. <laughs> I taught her, we, we had to buy a lift because renting a lift is about $3,500 a month. And so we just ended up buying a lift. And she can drive the lift all over the property. She operates all the tractors. And she can get up there and do what we need to get done so that we can get this exterior part done. So we can begin doing fun things like restoring the English kitchen in the basement and finishing off the inside of the house and doing the other things that we want to do. But getting this outside tightened up before the winter shows up has been our big push. I, I tell you, I mean, when you said glazing, so my wife's into antiques. She loves antiques. So we, we built our house, and there was this window. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it came from our old house in Carmel, or I, I don't remember, right? But she says, I want this window somewhere inside the house, right? But same thing, the glazing was all bad, so I said, I'll take care of that, right? It took me all day, but I have to be honest with you. If you go take a look at that window, <laughs> it's not very good, the glazing that I did. So I take my hat off to you because that is a, that is a job and a half. I mean, it, I mean, to think about that you're doing that, I mean, 20 hours without a doubt, I can imagine, because it took me all day to do a very little window. And like I said, the, the glazing on one side just doesn't look very good. On the other side, it looks a little better. <laughs> So it's, um, it's also difficult because a lot of the window restoration companies, they have the window out of the building and are just laying right. flat and they can do it where I'm doing it. Up yeah. on, and so there's sides of the windows in the way or the upper window in the way. Yeah, so it's hard to maneuver. Yeah. Right, the little knife. Exactly. Sometimes you just, yeah. it's like, how? So, yeah, it's very, it's... It's tedious, but I've found that I'm getting more and more adept at how to get it even and right. to look nice and to be smooth so that when I go back and paint it, I, oh, that one was not a good window. <laughs> so they're getting better and better as I go. Practice makes perfect, I guess. Well, you have 40, I heard, so you'll have, yes, you'll have time to get a, good. We have quite a few. <laughs> the last one's going to be absolutely they, stunning. They, exactly. Plus, each window, it's not just 40 window. There's about nine panes in each window. Right. So exactly, that's the thing. Yeah, but that's what makes times those nine there. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's what makes a, the those windows like beautiful. Though I mean, mm -hmm. that that brings the antiquity of it. Yeah. Do they open these windows? I mean, how do they open? Up and down? They were or open. You know, double hung. Case double hung. Okay. Gotcha. Slid up and down. Right. The the top window though was fixed. It was, I mean, it was put in there, and all of the windows are made out of cedar. Because they use the local. Oh, okay, okay. Well, and it's kind of a post and beam construction. But one of the neat things we just recently discovered there is a graveyard on the property. And there are some really cool tales about the graveyard, this large, large tombstone. And the Cavill family told us about the, um, the demise that came to this one overseer at one of the graveyards. And we're trying to get the graveyard fixed up in respect for the people there. We have some, you know, some Confederate soldiers that are buried there, but the one overseer with the graveyard and what happened to him, the tail is actually on the tombstone. Wow. Wow. Well, that's great, though. The, it's like entire life or the tale of his demise? Just the tale of his demise. And what had happened was there was a bad thunderstorm he went to where the enslaved were staying, checked at the end of the day, and he was talking to them, and he was getting ready to go back 
to his place on the property. And one of the slaves said, boss, you better not go out there. There's terrible lightning. And he said, I'm not afraid of no damn lightning. So he <laughs> marched out in the rain, and within 100 feet, a lightning bolt struck him dead. Oh. And he was buried the next day, and that's his tombstone. Wow. So you don't tempt fate. No, no, no yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Does, have you guys been that night? There's no, he doesn't still walk around, does he? Uh, <laughs> thunderstorms, he has to show up or something. We haven't noticed any paranormal. Okay. Well, that would be activity. great. That would be better. I mean, that's a great Everybody during a thunderstorm, you can right. see him walking around. That's a good idea. <laughs> but see, those are things that are, I mean, those are things that interest me in the sense of, not that I enjoy graveyards, but I, I love because it's history. I mean, I just love history, right? So you walk around a graveyard and you see who was there, how you know, how long time ago. Man, to be able to read something like that on a on a on a gravestone, that's I think that's great. Yeah, we want to be able to look at and find all the graves, uh, also the enslaved graveyard. You know where that would have been on the property. They didn't have that many enslaved. I think they had about twenty five for the nine hundred and forty acres. Um, but there is, a, there is a lot of history for sure there, and we're trying to dig into that and delve to find out about it. We're trying to take the house on the inside back to the original structure and where it was, and where the stairwells actually led to, from the, to the English kitchen, where they went to the what they called the third floor, and moving the doors and putting them back like they used to be. We're not trying to take it back to... No running water and uh, just using no, fireplaces for heat, but we would like to take it back to the original floor plan right. within the original right. structure. Well, that's a uh, that's an undertaking. Oh, yeah, quite an yeah. endeavor. Oh, um, yeah. So before we let you both go, um, where can people kind of like keep track of the progress you two are making with the house? Like a Facebook website, Instagram. Yeah, we are. We're, we're vlogging about it. Um, it's called Restoring Bon Air. That's on our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook. It is a Bon Air a historic home, as well as uh, we have an Instagram account, Restoring Bon Air. So that's primarily where we're at. So, so you literally have a YouTube channel where you're going through the process. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. We do. We're trying to, you know, put it out there, sharing some of the stories that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, about, you know, like for instance, the graveyard, we have that. All, also showing Lori glazing windows. Well, I got to see that. <laughs> I got to see that. <laughs> so we're trying to do a tutorial on how to, you know, restore old windows. But it's good. Same, he could use that, obviously. Absolutely. <laughs> Redo the one I have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll show our mom. It's like, hey, look. look. And so, we have his 90 year old, 93 year old father painting and helping us as well wow. he's still That's he's still so you got everybody working right. <laughs> he's an excellent painter yeah he's an excellent painter so i've learned a lot from my dad yeah and it's great it probably keeps him in, in a way once you get to a certain age then you know sometimes you feel like you're not useful anymore but to be able to say i still have you know a reason to be here i mean i think just it That's was great. it was rather comical because when they they moved up here from the outer banks and when we were preparing the cottage for them and they were preparing to move he kept going you know don't do everything because i want something to do (laughs) and we kept saying don't worry there's plenty don't worry there's plenty and now he's like I'm so tired of painting white paint. 
<laughs> and my mom, who's a, a watercolor artist, she has plenty to paint her around. All these yeah. old barns and everything. She's mm-hmm. got quite that's fantastic landscaped paint. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. That's great. Well, listen, it's, it's been the, wonderful having you both yeah, on. And good luck. Thank Best you. of the luck. Yeah. Thank you for inviting us. This no, was great. It's been fun. Yeah, it's good. Been look, great. look forward to the day we can uh, actually pass by and maybe uh, exactly spend the. Uh, Time in a cottage or in that little room down there. We'll come when it's a really dark and stormy night. There you are. (laughs) (laughs) The Cabell family has kept the family together for the most part. They're all over the country, but they have a Cabell family society, and there's a newsletter, and there's a a once-a-year meeting and reunion that we've been invited to attend, so we're learning more about them, and they're all following our journey as well. So it's been really interesting. That's great. I mean, listen, we always know old Cabell because the Charlesville Symphony uh, plays there. Yeah, um, exactly. Yep. Right. Yeah, they have the symphony in there. I love that room when you go in there and you've got the School of Athens. It's just really nice. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that their family's still together. And, yeah. And yeah. I love that your house was part of their family. That's pretty incredible. Yep. We enjoy it. Well, well thank good you luck. again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much thank for coming you. on. All right. Absolutely. <clears throat> wow. wow that's, that's quite the undertaking, yeah. huh? Oh, I can't, I can't. Listen, I, I I really take my hat off to them because I you you know that I I do a lot of work outdoors and stuff like that. But you know to think of having yeah. to renovate something like that that's that's an enormous undertaking. I wouldn't it know is. where to start. I, I know exactly. <laughs> that's the first thing I do. I'd be like, okay, where do we start? <laughs> where do we you know, start? Like, yeah, that's wow, great. That's, wow. that's incredible. It's it's listen. It's wonderful to see people have that kind of energy and that that. It's got to be the passion behind it, exactly. You know, I mean, that kind of undertaking to restore a historic home. I mean, that's not just something you wake up and say, "Hey, let's just do this." You know, like on a weekend. No, I mean, and it's not a cottage. It's It's not a cottage. I've seen the picture. It's 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 a it's a a big home. Yeah, it's a big home. Yeah, I know. So so that's a beautiful area, though. That's wonderful. Wow, this has been an, a very interesting, interesting uh, show, show, right? Yeah. We, we, you know, we went from old time, England to England, old, exactly, old American. Yeah. yeah, it's been great. Yeah. It's been fantastic. It yeah. has, Pops. I'm happy you were here with me today. Uh, it's always delighted to be here, yeah. and uh, you know, I'm glad to that you take these stories the, uh, and you get to talk to these great entrepreneurs. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. It really is. It really is. Um, so there's no show next week, Pops. No show Sorry. next week. No, no show next. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> I want to say, how come? I don't get it. Why, yeah, no show next week. No, so if, if you want to see today, Manana, this is your last one for the next two weeks. However, it's a Next package. two weeks? Next, well, yeah. Next week. Next, oh, for oh, two yeah, next oh, okay, week. Okay, okay, okay the okay, phone. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah, I don't no, know how to phrase yeah. that. But yeah, no, no, we're not here next right. week, but the phone week will be back. And that's going to be a packed show. So we're going to have Harvey oh, from, from Heroes okay. coming on the show. We're going to have Michael Salon and Christine Farfield. Michael again. And then yeah, from the Oratorio Society. Okay. And, and I have to say that um, I went to the, uh, the Charlottesville Symphony, had their um, event. I don't know how, what would you call it? I don't know what to call it. Concert? Concert. Well, there you go. That was what I was looking for. They had their concert on, on Saturday and Sunday. I went to the Sunday one. Um, they played Beethoven's Piano Concerto Number no. 5, which Benjamin had uh, conducted. It was phenomenal. Right. And then they had brought out the choir. And they sang some of these great, great um, songs and pieces, and it was fantastic. And Michael, I thought, did a wonderful job selecting some of those. So yeah, I remember that. Pro- yeah, so props I, to I him. Yeah, we were all, all like, yeah, because yeah. usually sometimes it's like you kind of worry that it's like, oh, choir singing a song. It's like sometimes that could doesn't really, depending on who it is, it might not sound great, but they were all wonderful choices and they're all unique too. So it was it was really a great concert. I'm looking forward to the next one, whenever that is. And then last but not least, we'll also be joined by Matthias Young from 
Matias Young Realty. Always love to have Matias on yeah, the show. He's, yeah, he's phenomenal. He's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, well, make sure we wish everybody a, a wonderful, oh, yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Happy you know, a blessed Thanksgiving to everybody. Yeah. It's a very special day. I love Thanksgiving yeah. because it's one of those days where, I mean, obviously, Mrs. Erpy does a lot of the cooking. I try to help a little bit. She does like 99% of the cooking, let's be honest. 98%. You do the wine bottle opening. There you are. That's 2%. Come on. You've got to give me some credit. Nah, 1%. Come on. Uh, but anyway, it's, uh, yeah. it's a great day because we are... I always felt we, we do we are very thankful for what we have, and mm-hmm. um, you know it's a great day to, to thank the yeah, Lord. Yeah, just sit down, eat, be thankful for everything you have. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so from the Tzedemon Young family to all our viewers, we wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Um, big thank you, as always, to the I Love Seville Studio for Jerry having us on, for Judah making us look good, for Liza <laughs> being happiest to see us. Um, and a big thank you, obviously, to our sponsors, Emerging Financial Services, Castle Hill Cider, Matisse Young Realty, and Craddock Serious Insurance. I'm Michael and Xavier, so until next time, hasta mañana.